Welcome back to the Contemporary Controversy Podcast. On today's episode, we have back with us Danae for part two um, to finish off and share more of her story and the battle that she had with cancer. Um, But on part two, we specifically want to talk about some more sensitive topics such as suicide. So if there are any kids that are listening to this, just keep in mind that this is a little bit more of a sensitive topic and a deeper um, subject to touch on. So today, if you would like to just kind of go into that story that you wanted to touch on, and this ties in a lot of the reality of the struggle itself. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Chad, for having me back on today to share this part because I really want listeners to just hear some of the struggles that I went through and just to share my story to hopefully encourage you and your story or your walk with Christ. Um, So I just kind of, I said this in the last podcast, but just to kind of set up the story, I had received my sixth chemo. I was set to have eight chemos. Um, I was supposed to go to my student's fifth grade graduation that week. I had had to stop working three months before due to breaking my elbow and my kneecap after falling down a few marble stairs. Um, my grandma, who was a part of my village to raise me, had passed away, and all the cousins got to go to the funeral except for me because I was in the midst of chemo and I couldn't get sick. That's right. I do remember that. And um, something kind of set off a reaction in my brain. I felt like people were watching me, even though my husband tried to convince me that people weren't watching me. I just had it in my brain that people were all around me, kind of in a state of paranoia. Um, And that week, that very next week, I just remember I had had enough, and I was ready to die. I wanted to end my life. I was uh, very loud and vocal about it. And luckily, I had my precious husband and my daughter was staying uh, with my sweet in-laws down the road from us, praise God that she wasn't in the room when all this was happening. Um, but I was ready to end my life, and I had a plan. Uh, this was one of the hardest struggles that I had ever been through. All these things kept happening to me, and I didn't know how to handle them. Um, I went to two mental hospitals, and I stayed for about a month. And during that month, I would call, and I would talk to my husband, and I finally one day broke down and asked for my Bible. I said, you know, I've been talking to the chaplains up here. The nurses would joke and tell, not maybe not joke, but they would tell Kyle, my husband, they would say, you know, I think she's getting more help from the chaplains than she's getting from the doctors up here because every time I turned around, I would say, I want to see a chaplain. I want to talk to the chaplain. I want to pray with the chaplain. But he finally brought my Bible up there. And I remember just pouring into the Bible and just um, reading the Bible. And I remember a nurse came into my room and she sang the song, You Are Awesome in This Place, Mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, Mighty God. And this was a Methodist hospital. She came in singing the, that song. And I remember I just kind of broke in that, in that moment. And I remember her saying, you know, Janae, I've heard that you can sing. I've heard that you're a singer. Will you sing that song with me? And I remember just, you are awesome in this place, mighty God. I remember just singing it along with her. And um, I finally came out of the hospital fighting again, but this time I knew I wanted to fight with God on my side and not by myself. Um, and so that was kind of, kind of that story. Um, then I went through 28 rounds of, well, I had to go through one more chemo treatment. Then I went through 28 rounds of, um, radiation treatment. And this was after all this this? was after all that. Yeah. And then multiple bouts of depression with some other surgeries that I had through that. And, um, 
just, yeah, there are many days that I couldn't pray for myself, like I had said in the previous podcast before, that I just had to call friends or family members and ask them to pray for me. So it was like some of the darkest days that I've ever gone through. So what would you say during this time? Because you, you made mention of like you had a plan in place. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like what? Because obviously you were at your wits end to where you were just tired of dealing with health issues and kind of everything that comes along with the treatments and all that. What at what moment where you're like, I can't take this anymore? Like to where you started considering ending your own life and like how real was it in that moment to where like you said plan in place. So Yeah, it was very real. I couldn't think of anything else but doing that. And I remember just screaming out and crying out and my husband was like driving me to the hospital while I was like threatening to jump out of the car and do all these things and he was like, Please stay in the car, we just have to get you somewhere. We just have to get you somewhere. And so um I remember him just um, you know, trying to um like call some of my like my aunt and uncle and saying like just so you know we're headed to the hospital we have to go um just so you know like this is what she sounds like putting me on speaker because he had never like had me sound like that before and so um just wanted to like make sure that like my family knew like hey like she is really not doing good we're taking her to the hospital right now you know yeah what i mean obviously in this moment you're not thinking clearly but was there any logical part of you in those moments where it was like, I'm not like, I'm not, you knew you weren't yourself like, or was it just like you were so far gone that I you was... just like could not think clearly. And like, even with the, like Scott and Kara, obviously for those of you who don't know Scott, Scott's our uncle and has played a huge part in her life and has been a father figure in many ways. And Kara has been a mother figure in many ways. And so what were, there, what were those conversations like? Obviously, they're having to hear kind of like this side. And then so what was the logical? Was there any logical thinking during that time? Or Not a whole lot. I remember um, Kyle saying like, you know, you're, people are not watching us. You're not, you're not acting in your right mind. Like, I was like, yes, I am. I'm, I'm acting in my right mind. I know what I'm saying. And, but I definitely didn't know what I was saying. It was a very dark moment where I just felt like, you know, I, I couldn't think logically. Like, like I said, it felt like a, a chemical reaction or something was going off in my brain that I just could not think logically. Okay. So what were those conversations like with Scott and Kara, oh, okay. do you remember? Sorry, do you part. remember yeah. any of that? Like, yeah, I remember vaguely. I remember bits and pieces of this whole ordeal just vaguely, and even now, I just celebrated a year of being alive from that, and so that's exciting. But um, I remember that uh, leading up to that, I had several panic attacks, and. Um, one biggest panic attack was like at the CVS pharmacy of all things. I had gone to take my second COVID shot and I just like my whole body went numb. And I remember having like the biggest panic attack sitting in the car, um, calling um, one of our friends who was like, just breathe. Like she was trying to walk me through different things with Kyle also of what to do. Um, I remember calling Scott and one of my biggest panic attacks also who um, it was my uncle, you know, who definitely said like, calm down. Like, it's going to be okay. Just take a breath. He's like, I've never heard you like this before. Are you okay? What's going on? And I was just like, you know, I think I've just had it all. Like, I think that this just, it's coming crashing down. Like, I feel like I've had too much on my shoulders and now I just can't handle it. 
so obviously during this time of just like these these dark thoughts and everything else um you enter yourself or they take you to the mental hospital um to kind of and you did you say you did two months so i had to do one month at two different mental hospitals okay and so these hospitals are basically i mean they admitted you because you were basically losing your mind so in those that those two months what did the process look like for you in the you obviously were admitted because you were basically threatening to end your life and all that but what was that like during that time like what was the whole i guess what was their treatment that they gave you to be at the hospitals so in the beginning i remember that i went to the first hospital and i was only in that hospital for about a week and a half and uh, that hospital they um wanted to give me a bunch of medicine to kind of like sedate me but then i was also still in a wheelchair at the time because i couldn't walk and so um there was lots of different things that went on i remember being scared out of my mind because i didn't want anyone to touch me i didn't want anyone to look at me i just um wanted to kind of be alone in a room by myself and i remember doctors and nurses come in and trying to give me an ekg at one time because my heart rate kept getting super high and they kept worrying about that and um and all my medical things that had never really happened but since i had cancer they were super worried about my heart and so i remember that they uh, tied me down one day and gave me an ekg and um they decided that i needed to go to the hospital and be rushed there by ambulance and so an ambulance came they put me on a gurney they got the whole nine yards and they put me in the ambulance i remember in the ambulance i was just like screaming and yelling at them which you know chad i would never yeah. scream and yell at the this EMT is not character. yes and so i remember just like ripping out the iv and telling them like i don't want this i don't want to go to the hospital i don't want to do this right now and just ripping out the IV and, you know, I had a huge bruise on my arm from ripping it out. And then they took me back to that hospital and um, for a few more days. And then it was time for my, um, it, it was my seventh chemo. It was time for my seventh chemo. And so they went ahead and released me, it told um, Kyle, said, like, she's okay. She can go ahead and go home. He didn't really think I was okay at the time, of course, but he went ahead and took me home, took me to that next chemo. Um, and then on the way from that next chemo, I got very depressed. I was only home a matter of like one and a half to two days before he was like, I need to take her somewhere else. And so then he took me to the state hospital that could better care for me because I had all the chemo. My type of chemo, I had to actually like be hooked up for um two full days for 48 hours on chemo while i was like pumping into my blood system and everything i would go home with it in my port and then it would pump into me for two whole days and then i would go home um and then whenever i went home um i would kyle would unconnect it and all of that like later on in the day and so um i had to be in the hospital be able to do all of that while i was going through a state of depression at that time then during these states of depression and thoughts of suicide and all that, obviously you weren't in your full right mind, so you were doing things completely out of character of what Danae usually does. But in that moment of kind of like this confession of like, these are the thoughts that I'm having, was there any part of you that like, it, maybe it wasn't because you weren't thinking clearly, that was like fearful to share this? Um or even like what a, like the darkness that comes with that because I was sharing before we started the podcast about 
how I had those thoughts at one time toward it. It feels like you're trapped inside your mind, trapped inside of a cage. You don't want to let anyone know because you're afraid that it's almost like you don't want people to feel like they're walking on eggshells. Yeah. So share kind of like the struggle in that of like, what was that like? Yeah, I definitely like didn't want my family to know. Um, I only let Scott and Kara in on it. They would call me in the hospital and talk to me. Um, I remember I told them, like, don't even tell my mom. I don't want my mom to know. I don't want my family to know. I will, like, stay in this as long as I need to. I don't want anybody to know. Um, I'll get the treatment, the help that I need, but I don't want a soul to know. And, of course, since that, that's changed, and now I feel like I want to share my story with anybody and everybody that will hear because I want to um, be that voice of reason for people that are going through the same thing. Um, but at the time, I definitely wanted to hide it back in a dark place and not let anybody in. Which I think is a good point to bring up. And I was going to touch on this in the last episode to, to like tell people out there, like if you know anybody going through this or uh, going through things like cancer, I think there is an aspect in which, uh, you need your space and like i think people need to recognize that i think sometimes whenever we know something bad is happening in a person's life we want to bombard them with help and everything else yeah. but uh i'm sure in your own space like at that time at that time you obviously were like i don't like i just want to have my closest family around you and yes other people around me care but like give me my space yes for sure which i think is good for people to hear yeah Okay, so with all that being said, um, kind of, and that's like the reality of the, the struggle with suicide and all that, how did you um, get through that? I know you had mentioned counseling to me before we started the podcast, um, and then you talked about the chaplains even just playing a part in that. So yeah. what was that, grow, what, how did you grow in that, and what was that journey like? So I feel like the first time whenever I went to go and see the chaplains or they came and saw me actually because whenever you're in a mental hospital, they lock all the doors. You can't get out. No one can really even get in and see you. Family can't really come in and see you at all or at least at mine they couldn't. Um, they lock all the doors. You can't get in. No one can get in or out except for just to bring you clothes and they just drop them off and then um, no one can see you except for the doctors and the nurses. And so I remember asking for the chaplain. The chaplain came in. Um, after the nurse had sang me the song and kind of jolted me back into reality. And I just broke down and told the chaplain, you know, I don't know why I'm being like this. I don't know what's wrong with me. Like all these things have happened to me. What do I do? You know, like I said, I told him at that point, I was like, you know, I feel like God's calling me to rededicate my life to him. I feel like I need to come back to him. And I feel like I've been trying to do this all on my own and um, I'm ready to rededicate my life. And so in that moment we had a prayer and I rededicated my life back to Christ. Um, and then I just spent days and nights reading my Bible and would wake up early in the morning, go to sleep late at night, reading my Bible. And um, I remember a roommate of mine, because you have two people to a room, a roommate of mine uh, wrote me a note before she actually left the hospital just saying, like, you're one of the most godly people I've ever met. Like, thank you for sharing this room with me. Thank you for ministering to me during this time in the mental hospital. So who knows? I might have been there for that and just to be able to minister to her. But um, God is good and gracious and all those things. And so, um, you know. That was kind of the road of that, and then I started going to counseling um, 
I was going to counseling, my kind of my whole, not my whole cancer journey, but part of my cancer journey, even before I went to the hospital. And um, then I went ahead and changed counselors, which for anyone listening, like it's, I want you to know it's okay to change yeah. counselors because my first counselor I loved and I thought she was like everything since sliced bread. But then um, I felt like she wasn't really giving me the help that I needed. And so... And so um, then after that, I had a new counselor that I got. And that new counselor um, just walked me through lots of things like celebrating my um, my wins. Like we just celebrated a year since I've been alive since um, all of this. And um, celebrating the good things and then going through some of the bad things and just walking me through like trauma therapy and um, some things of what that looked like. And so... We've definitely done a lot of growth. Like I said, I didn't want to share this story with anyone in the beginning. And I've since then um, written a blog that hasn't been published yet. But I've written three blog posts just to write about this story and like how it helped me. Because I now want to share it with the world and help others. Well, maybe this will go viral. And <laughs> so. we'll have multi-million listeners listening to this podcast. There you go, yeah. Well, we only have about 10 minutes left. We may have to enter into part three, but let's see what we can do with okay. these last few, 13 minutes, I guess. Um, so who would have thought that God would have used this calm, collected Danae to eventually even minister to someone in a mental hospital? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It is ironic, but that is amazing. And it's just encouraging too to see like you were in one of your darkest moments and not thinking clearly and logically. And it's what's really encouraging and just a great reminder for me and the people listening is that the power of worship, the power of just singing to God, mm -hmm. crying out at, in our wits ends and the amount of mental clarity that the Lord can provide, even in, in a moment of darkness and sickness and everything else. Yeah. So, all that being said, where are you at in like now in all of this? Okay, so now I have finished radiation. I graduated from chemo, graduated from radiation, and I had two different surgeries. I had an ileostomy bag put in, and then the six months later I had a reversal for that. And then now I'm awaiting um, an, a, um, I don't even really know what it's called, Chad, but it's a thing that's like going to be an implant for me. Um, they call it a, um, like a, a metrocloma. Metro something, yeah, yes. Yeah, something <laughs> that, like um, that. <laughs> Metronic something or other. Yeah. That's basically like a pacemaker of your bowels that helps me to control um, everything. And so because I did have rectal cancer, I have lot of, like loss of control. And so um, because of that, I'm going to get this awesome new device that's going to help me to control everything. So after I get that, that should be my last surgery, Lord willing. And then I should be able to go ahead and go on and live my life. I do have to have have like tests every three months and then um, after five years and they'll declare me cancer free after five years. I'm in remission right now, but they'll declare me cancer free after five years. And then um, after five years, I'll be able to kind of go on and live my life like normal and just have periodic checkups. Okay. And what would you say to anyone that is currently going through something similar or even just a struggle in general? Because I think doesn't have to be cancer particularly it could be um just a life sin struggle whatever um is there anything that you can provide for them as far as hope or just encouragement 
definitely I would say God sees you. You're not alone. Um, cling to him in those moments. Even when you feel like he's not there, he is there. Cling to him um, and get you some friends and family and just pastors or um, people in your church that will stick by you even even whenever things get tough. I know one of my um, our children's minister at my church called me um, whenever things got really bad and I was in a midst of depression, even after the suicidal outcry months after that. And I was just in a bout of depression and didn't want to get out of bed. I remember she called me and she said, Danae, get out of bed, go outside, take five minutes of like outside time and um, just spend that time in, in the sunshine, get your vitamin D. And then she was like, and then if you want to, then you can get back in bed. But that's what you have to do today. And I'm telling you to do it right now. And so I remember just that tough love was just so good for me just to remember that um, in that moment that someone else was giving me tough love from the church. Like get up, get out of bed and do a couple of things, five, three things, and then you can go back to bed. Yeah. And we need that like Absolutely. as Christians, like because most of the time we're, we're in a state of mind of, D depression or whatever else like we we aren't thinking clearly we need other people in our life that are thinking clearly yeah to tell us those simple things like hey stop <laughs> sitting in self-pity and like mm -hmm. go outside actually I, I don't know how much you know about matt chandler's story you know who matt chandler is i know who matt chandler is okay so matt chandler uh battled i believe it was brain cancer um for set like several years and like went bald and everything else and he talked about kind of the there was a moment in time to where he was like in chemo like on the floor like just in misery basically and he said he remembers like looking up and you might even be able to touch on this some to or relate to it he said he looked up and he remembers seeing like pictures of like another family or like other people and or in even the thoughts started going through my mind of like, why don't you give it to this person? Or why don't you give it to this person? Like I've been obedient, I've been faithful, and all these things. And I, if I, I'd have to go back and listen to it again. But I, I think I, if I remember correctly, he like the Holy Spirit was very clear to him in the moment of like, because I gave it to you. Like, yeah. like I was very clear, and so like, it was just like the, the reality of like God knew what he was doing in the midst of all of it yeah. and he chose matt or he chose you yeah. like or didn't it choose you like i want you to have cancer today but knew exactly what he was doing in the process yeah one thing i didn't mention actually this brought up to my mind but in the beginning of my cancer journey he actually um i I felt like I heard God almost audibly. It wasn't audibly, but it was almost audibly saying like to me right before I went in on the December 18th, you're going to have cancer, but you're going to be okay. And I kind of lost sight of the words, you're going to be okay. I just kept hearing the words, you're going to have cancer yeah. um, during the whole thing. And then finally at the end, I was like, oh yeah, you did say, but I was going to be okay also. And so, yeah, for sure. Okay. And as far as hope that you'd provide for people, I know you mentioned counseling, um, have family and all that. Is there anything else that you would suggest to people as far as how to kind of face some of these struggles or even suicide, like kind of share what you would recommend people do? Yeah, I just can't say it enough. You're not alone. You're not alone. God sees you. God knows you. 
Um, he knows where you're at right now. You can call, as, as silly as it may seem, to call a helpline. You can call a helpline if you feel super alone. Yeah. Like, that's call your family. But if you don't have family, call a helpline and get some help. Call a yeah. counselor, get some help. Which I will list in the podcast description below. I'll list any possible resource that there is in reference to suicide, um, maybe even devotionals or anything else that will point people to to help because that and also you touch on this too i think it is important to keep in mind that you don't have to tell the world if you're dealing with suicide or whatever it is like keep keep your circle close um tell the people that you trust most first and then as you walk through that healing to maybe open up that door to to share with more people um the last thing i'll ask you is um what are ways that the audience can pray for you uh, now. Thank you. Um, I would just say just for my last surgery, there's that um, the device would continue to work that I would have a little bit better quality of life as I go through um, my um, control issues with um, uh, with my bowels and everything else that I have going on. And um, just to pray that I can use this story to help others first and foremost. Awesome. Well, are there any last words that you would like to say in your last five minutes of fame? I know, but thank you for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been Absolutely. awesome. Well, thank you for joining the podcast and sharing your story. Um, is there anybody that you would like to just kind of vocally thank in this moment? That's so good. Um, I... I don't, I feel like I don't want to thank people because I'm going to leave somebody out. That's but, okay. But I want to <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank everybody that, that has definitely stepped up and stepped in to help me. I know that I would leave people out if I like started naming names, but first and foremost, I want to thank like my husband. He's been by my side through this whole thing. And so he's been awesome. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, the people that are, that are listening, they know, you know you've played a part in her life, and so every, we want to thank you for just being there for her and being present for her, for the church family that has been there for her, um, because like without y'all, um, she couldn't have made it. I mean, that's all there is to it. I mean, and obviously God's grace towards her has been a huge part in this. So, Danae, thank you so much again for joining the Contemporary Controversy Podcast. I also want to give a shout-out to my manager, Daniel Forbes. Daniel has played a huge part in this podcast and just pushing me to continue to record episodes. So thank you again for joining the Contemporary Controversy Podcast. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.